Welcome, everybody. Uh, Maria and I want to thank you for watching, and we hope that these podcasts that are coming will be beneficial, informational, and also transformational, that God yeah. would do something through them. We wish to real quick want to tell you a bit about us, and we're going to get into our conversation today. So, honey, you want to tell them a bit yeah, about absolutely. our family, our marriage? Yeah, well, we got married 25 years ago. We just celebrated just our 25th celebrated. wedding anniversary, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, um, quarter of a century. Yeah, that makes me we were feel like really old. One, two years two old years when we got married. And just somehow, babies. somehow we have a child in college. We have <laughs> twins that are 18 years old. Yeah, a 17 year old and a 14 year old. So we're definitely in the middle of all the teenage years. We've experienced a lot of life in those yeah. 25 years. Um, we've planted churches. Yeah, we've been in multiple states doing ministry. Um, we have had uh, a child born with special needs. Yes. So if that's an individual family out there that might wonder, you know, or um, walking that specific journey, mm -hmm. walking that, is that a unique journey because marriage is tough on mm -hmm. its own, and then you add that layer of caring for someone with physical disabilities or yeah. mental challenges. It adds all kinds of layers. We'll talk about that more probably in yeah. the podcast, but we just want to invite everybody into our conversation. Some of the things that we've learned over the years. Uh, one of the things. Um, that we've always discussed in marriage is that when we teach on marriage, it's a little different because it's not so much do these five things yeah. or um, if you, these 10 steps make a perfect marriage, there's no such thing as perfect marriage. Right. Um, it's always growing. Uh, there's, there's healthy because there's habits. there's no perfect people. There's no perfect people. And so a lot, we, we like to, we use a lot of images to help people. And one of them is the idea of health. We want a healthy mm -hmm. marriage. Mm -hmm. And just like health, it's not a destination. It's a constant active habits. Yeah. Healthy habits lead to healthy body. And so we like to focus on healthy habits, healthy choices. Um, I likened in our teachings when we were doing this in the class, um, you know, my mom is Italian, cooked all the time. Her love language was food. If you weren't eating, then you didn't love. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, a lot of times we look at these classes as ingredients into a recipe mm. and you're adding a little bit of this and you might need a little bit of this. And every marriage will have its own flavor. Every marriage will have its own taste. Yeah. And so we might lean heavy on one area thinking this is so important. Um, but in your marriage, it may be important, but you have other things that you are really passionate about and that you add a little bit more of those ingredients. And you really do have to flavor to taste uh, as you and your spouse are kind of working out these principles. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. today we're going to talk about vision. Yeah, That's well, been why on your don't heart you? A lot. It is on my heart. But before I dive into what I was going to talk about, why don't you just kind of share how marriage is really God's idea, and sure. He is the originator of marriage? Yeah, it's important. I think for all of us that um, we remember that God originated marriage back in the Garden of Eden. He created Adam, and He said it's not good for man to be alone. Now we're also very passionate that if if there's an individual living a single life, yeah. that that's very fruitful life, and God has ways of bringing impact and even family and even legacy through your life, even if you are, you know, single, temporarily single, single again, or you're choosing to be single. You know, we just never want to uh, have anyone feel as if marriage is the only successful life right. uh, that they can have. But it is important that we remember that marriage didn't come from a book. Uh, it came from God. And before there was, you know, conferences and weddings and, and a whole industry for weddings and marriages <laughs> and romance novels and stories and movies, that God was the one that made a man. And then he said, it's not good for that man to be alone. And then he made a woman from man. 
and from from his rib, which is why I always like to say that's why men love ribs, because wow. yeah, I know it's a bad wow. joke. It's not going to get much better. <laughs> um, but God made man and woman, and He said He brought woman. He made form woman, and then brought her to Adam, uh, and then He said, "For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be." joined to his wife, cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And we talk later in this series about oneness, Yeah. but it's important. Um, even in Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 19, 4 and 5, Jesus requotes that Genesis passage, but then he goes on to say that what God has put together, they're no longer two, but they're one, Yeah. and let no one split that apart. And so it's important that we see that God put these couples together. You know, it's yeah. uh, if you're not married yet, it's important that you're seeking God's best in plan uh, to be married because God is joining you together. Um, if maybe you didn't know Jesus or maybe you rushed into a marriage it's and you're one now, you are one, and God is still willing that this marriage uh, is successful. Um, and there's going to be a tax to separate you and divide you, but what God is joined together. So it's yeah. a work of God. That's why we want to start that foundation that yeah. uh, marriage is God's idea, and God makes things that work, and God makes things that are meant to bless you. Uh, God makes things that are uh, meant to enhance your life. Sometimes yeah. even as marriage is challenging and difficult, that's even God's design, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think about some of that? No, I think it's powerful. I think it's in, it, it's really good to A, remember that God doesn't make anything that's, that's broken. So no matter where you are in your marriage, because there's a lot of different people listening to this podcast or watching it today, right? Some may have incredible marriages. Maybe they've been yeah. married longer than us. Yeah, we hope so. Um, yeah, absolutely. But they're excited for more because there's always more, just like your relationship with the Lord. It's always growing. You never reach the end of what you can learn about God and learn about who he is. So it's always growing. So whether you have an incredible marriage, whether you are at the beginning of your marriage, maybe you're engaged, or you're walking through just a very, very difficult, intense season, um, I think it's important to remember that God's the originator of marriage. Yeah. So he doesn't create something that's broken, which means if he designed it, when you do things his way, it is, it is possible to have an incredible marriage and to, but a great marriage is not without work. Correct. Just because God designed something doesn't mean that um, it doesn't take work to continue to ha to um, to have what He designed the way that He designed it. I think that's a good place to kind of remember that the promises of God, promised lands of God. I think a lot of Christians don't realize that God's will is work. Yeah. Because um, work draws out of you change and growth and talents that you didn't know you had. And like, even when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we think, oh, if we live in this perfect Garden of Eden, we could just lay around and eat grapes and fan each other with palm wow. branches. Maybe that's just my fantasy of the Garden <laughs> of Eden. Um, but he actually said that he put Adam and Eve in the garden to work it, to cultivate yeah. it, yeah. you know, to keep it, which was like the idea of working in the garden and yeah. protecting it from outside enemies, which is even kind of like a hint that there would be attacks from yeah. the outside. So whenever God has a promise or God has something for you, it's perfect will of God, but the perfect will of God doesn't mean it's not going to take work or effort right. or struggle. And right. that's a good thing. Right. Right. Well, that just reminds me of that story, right? Where the Israelites are traveling in the desert and they're getting ready to take their promised land. And Joshua is looking at Jericho. And then I actually have the scripture here because I want to read it because it was yeah, so powerful and it's incredible. Um, honestly, I feel like it, 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 God used this to even speak to me and even in our classes really about So can marriage. we say that this portion we're about to talk about was what we would have titled this 
vision. first session yeah. is the vision, God's vision for God's marriage, vision. which God's the visionary. Mm-hmm. God has a picture of marriage and he's asking you to have a picture yeah. so that you know what to fight for. Yeah. So let me just read in Joshua chapter six. Um, I'm just going to read the first few verses, but Joshua chapter six, verse one says this. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. And some translations actually say, um, have that translated that God said to Joshua, see, I have given you Jericho. So I'll come back to that. James is very heavy on that. Yeah. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're going to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. The walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. Um, Sound effects. Yes. But then, so there's two things that I want to take from this. One was right before the Israelites were getting ready to go into the promised land, God um, this was the land that they've been talking about. This is the yep. land that they were excited about. This was, they were getting ready to go into the promise of God, right? God had set Jericho aside for his people. It was a good thing to have. I mean, yep. it was, Absolutely. it was the promise of God. You could say it's what they were dreaming about it's for what they 400 were years about. as slaves in Egypt. Exactly. Yeah. But when they were looking at it, there are two parts to this message that really, really stood out to me. One, yeah. it was still tightly shut up. And God looked at Joshua and he said, see, I've given you the city. In the natural, it was still shut tight. Like there, it was still a fortified city. It was still, it was not theirs. It didn't look like it was theirs. It looked like an impossible situation. But God looked at Joshua and said, see. And I believe he was saying to Joshua, I want you to see with eyes of faith, my promise, what I've put in front of you, what I created, what I have said, that even super... Uh, supersedes what you currently see with your physical eye. And so the reason that's powerful is because sometimes even in our marriages specifically or any part of our life, but this podcast is about marriage, Mm -hmm. but you believe God that he created marriage, which is what we were talking about a minute ago. And if you believe that he's the originator of marriage and he's promised it and that he creates a good thing, then no matter what your experiences have been in life, no matter what you've gone through, but to allow yourself to see what what God's promises are to see in front of you or allow vision to come back into your heart about what God has said and that what God has promised can be. Because sometimes uh, we go through life and we just start to get um, discouraged or, um, you know, heartbroken or we lose sight of yeah. the vision of the promise. Yeah. To, so um, just to begin to see. You start looking at the walls, you start looking at the enemy that's occupying you know, the promise, right? Because it is the promise. Yeah. Um, but then God is saying, see beyond the walls right now. See beyond, Yeah. you know, um, the enemy that's camped out or fortified there. And he, I love what you're saying where God said, see, I have given you the city. He's already done it. So he's trying to get us to have a vision beyond whatever yeah. is camped out upon our promise or, or, you know, attacking or keeping us from that promise. And uh, that's where it starts. It starts with a desire to do the work, yeah. a desire to fight for it, yeah. right? But if you don't believe it's your portion, if you yeah. give up on a healthy yeah. marriage, if you give up on a, 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 a relationship with your spouse that can be lifelong, that can be life-giving, 
um, you won't battle through the challenges. Right. You won't right. push through the walls or right. um, do the work. Exactly. And that's kind of the second point. But I don't know where you are in your marriage. I don't know what you're walking through. Only God knows that. But if you're walking, if you're watching this or listening to this and you need the Lord to reawaken hope, yeah. to reawaken faith, to take him at his word that he created marriage and that it is a good thing, then we're just going to believe God that maybe that's even where you start today. Maybe yeah. maybe you can't get into all the other things just yet, but you just have to start yeah. at the place of God. Okay, I, I need to trust again. Help me see your plan, your vision. You know, the Israelites, they were supposed to go to the promised land, but they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. And I can only imagine that the... The, even though God had promised them the promised land in that wandering season, there may have been some doubt. There may have been loss of vision. There may have been something that would try to steal that from them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know where you are, what you've been walking through, but maybe we're just going to believe God that he just, in, if you open your heart to him, that he'll just open your heart and start to give you vision and hope um, for what can be yeah. and to dream again. And that's important too, because the second part of the, of the scripture that stuck out to me. One was see, God was telling him to get a vision to beyond see beyond walls, what you beyond could the see, challenge. Yeah, yeah. but to see that he'd given it to them. Yeah. But then there was work that Joshua and the Israelites had to put in to receive their promised land. It didn't just fall into their lap. They had to obey God and God had told them something crazy to do. They had to go walk around the city seven times, yeah. you know, like once a day and then seven times and shout. But even after the walls fell, they had to go in and possess the land. They had to clear it out, right? They had to, um, they had to work. Yeah. So it, it was a promised land. And yeah. the fact that there was work there didn't take away from the fact that it was a good land yeah. and it was a promise from God. There was work that had to be done. Yeah, and I think it's important as we're bringing these biblical ideas to fighting for your marriage, fighting for a healthy marriage, um, just that people realize that this is God's plan from the beginning. Like, this doesn't mean you're doing something wrong right. or you're, you know, inherently broken hmm. or your marriage is so messed up. Like, everything that God promises us, you have to contend for. Right. Um, you have to do some work on your part. It's not just you step into a promise and it's just perfect. And it, and again, it, it will unlock talents in you. It, like the whole scripture we love that iron sharpens iron, so one man or person sharpens another. Well, that idea is a conflict. It's two pieces of iron striking each other, and there's some sparks there. Yeah. You know, but it sharpens you. And when God made man and woman and put them together, I don't think God was, you know, ignorant. I don't think he was unaware that it was going to cause some conflict because he made us. And he made us different, so different from each so other. Different. And we'll get into that in later episodes. But he designed this thing to take work and to take effort to fight for it. But even when they walked from their desert into the promise, and I was thinking about a person who might have waited a long time to get married, and you know they're so hopeful of their <laughs> promised land, and they walk into marriage, and all of a sudden they find Jericho. You know, yeah. and that emotion of you know, wait a minute, I've waited so long and it was, I was supposed to have the dress and he was, you know, she, you know, supposed to be the handsome prince and we we're supposed to get married and ride off into the sunset together. And, you know, what meaneth this, you know, yeah. and that's, but it's so practical and so typical and so many promises of God. There's, it's a natural process yeah. that you, you, you get, to put in work. you have to, once you get into the promise, there's some level of fighting for it effort on your part, obedience that you have to follow, 
um, and God's testing your heart and God's growing and stretching. And I love what you said too. The first step was getting rid of the the, the fortified city and the enemies, but then there's the work of right. building a, a village, building a city, the sowing new seed and planting new crops. And it's going to take watering and time and there is a harvest. So it wasn't even like instantaneous. Like we just do these seven things, but there's the whole thing takes time. Yeah. Um, no, removing old things, planting new things, and waiting for those new things to manifest fruit. Yeah, no, it absolutely does take work. And the interesting thing is, is that the work of marriage, you know, in marriage, you you can't, the only person that you can control yeah. is yourself, right? You can't control your spouse. You can't control anybody else. It, well, not just in marriage, in life. The only person you can control is you. And what's interesting is when you put all of a sudden two completely different people together, yeah. now in a union, living together in the same space, right? So now you've got two different individuals who were raised differently, who have... Um, who share a love and they've made a covenant, right? But now that they had, they come together. So now, of course, I feel like getting married was like I had all of a sudden a mirror put really close yeah. up and personal on my face. And I began to see yeah. all these flaws in myself come to the surface. And so part of the biggest work of marriage is working on myself. Um, it's the internal work. It's the heart work. It's um, continuing to come together. Yeah, and that's that. work of marriage. And the fact that that's there yeah. doesn't mean that your marriage is broken. It doesn't mean that you um, ha chose necessarily the wrong person even. Correct. It just means that that's what marriage is because you have two imperfect people coming together. But that's when everybody says that marriage takes work. Yeah. That's the work of Let's marriage. Let's define it. Yeah, you're, that's really helpful. You're defining what that is because it's not working on your spouse. No, it's not working on your spouse. It's working Fixing on you. Them. Yeah, it's and the reason it's so frustrating is because choosing to forgive mm -hmm. or choosing to have a different mindset or yeah. preferring your spouse above yourself, like that doesn't always feel good. And it's not always the natural first inclination. And so it yeah. takes effort to continually choose to do those things. So now let's talk about that vision idea again and move forward, not just yeah. about battling for it or fighting, you know, challenges and all that kind of thing. Let's talk about creating mm -hmm. what you want to create and how that starts with a vision and then where we would want it to go years from now and how do we make that happen? You had a really cool illustration that you used, um, gosh, several years ago um, that stuck with gosh, us mm -hmm. for, we've brought it with us. And I think the first time you did it was on a marriage retreat we had done. Yeah, it might have been. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't at our old church. It was at our old church on a marriage oh, retreat. Oh, on a marriage I think retreat, it was sure. an actual, And you brought two rocking chairs to the stage. Right. And we both sat in one. But the image was to have a vision moving forward of, you know, who's going to be sitting in that rocking chair. Obviously that being an illustration of coming to, um, a later season in life, probably retired, you know, kids grown, grandkids, maybe some great grandkids thrown yeah, in there. Yeah, live long. <laughs> Amen. Um, and what that future season would look like and how your marriage, because who's going to be sitting in that rocking yeah. chair next to you? Yeah. And what's that marriage going to look like? And have you dreamt about or right. envisioned the future? Because the future doesn't just happen accidentally. Um, every action that we, that we, um, that we take today, words that we speak, all of those things are seeds to the future. You've shared a scripture verse many times that man's harvest in life is, um, based entirely on the seeds that he sows, mm, which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just getting that vision of who's going to be sitting next to you in the rocking chair, what's your marriage going to look like? Yeah. And then sowing towards that.
Yeah, so let's play with that vision, that illustration for a minute. So everybody listening right now or watching, you know, uh, imagine yourself, whatever you think the ideal retirement spot would be. So for some reason, for some reason for me, yeah, so it's a white sandy beach (laughs) and we have some sort of a nice little home with a nice front porch or back porch even with two chairs that's looking out over the ocean. And whether you're looking at a sunrise, depending on which side of Florida you're on, or sunset. Gulf for the Atlantic, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm sitting there with Maria, with you, yeah. you know, just years and years, decades down the road. Um, and we're just enjoying. We're enjoying the fruit of our life. We're, we're talking together. We're holding hands, still holding hands, mm. you know, 50 years from now, after 25 years of marriage, add another 50, 75. right? 75. 75 years of marriage. Come on. and. There's so many things in that that you take for granted. Like that just not just going to happen. Mm-mm. The fact, first of all, the fact that we're still together. Yeah. You know, 75 years into yeah. marriage. Yeah. Um, barring any health concerns or something. Let's just imagine health isn't an issue, right? But just relationally. Yeah. That we don't just tolerate each other and, you know, we all cohabitate in the house. I mean, that's and miserable. Put up with each other, right? Like, because we can't get out of this unless we die, uh, yeah. you know, but like, <laughs> but we want to be there. And that's where that vision is important. Like, you want to sit next to me. I want to yeah. sit next to you. We want our chairs really close and we want to still be holding hands. And we want to then be able to share memories back and forth of the kids and mm. vacations we went on or how proud of them we are or the grandkids you know, and, and just being involved in their life or play, you know, just, just even still making you laugh. That's one of my favorite things is to make you smile or to make you laugh and still be able to make you laugh 75 years into marriage. And, (laughs) and that I don't somehow irritate you. I mean, I'm sure there's things I would do that you're like, (laughs) wow, 75 years of that. Jesus help me, you know, but what I'm saying though, is we still enjoy one another. We enjoy time. We want to be together. And, and, and those things are not accidents, you know, um, everything like a garden, is intentional. If you want to harvest a certain fruit or vegetable, then you have to plant very specific seeds to harvest that. And so if you imagine in your mind, um, which is where one would imagine, um, probably a seed bag, right? And you say, I want, you know, uh, let's say tomatoes. I want tomatoes. Well, then I know what seeds to plant. I right. have to plant tomato You're not gonna plant seeds. Oranges. You're not going to plant oranges. Well, that would be an orange tree. Because right, you won't get tomatoes, right? <laughs> right? And that's what people have to be so intentional, even you and I. Like the seeds, every action, every, which would include the words that come out of your mouth, which would include the way we treat one another, right. which would include forgiveness, which would include obeying the word of God or not obeying the word of God. Every action is a seed. And if you're in the car right now listening to this or you're watching this somewhere on YouTube, that principle alone, every action, every word, because it's all actions, yeah, is a seed. And you intentionally plant the seeds that are going to lead you to the future that you want to see in the, in the yeah. garden. And so yeah. if I want to be close to you, then that means I'm going to plant um, seeds of kindness. I'm going to plant seeds of relationship, healthy yeah. relationship, which also means I'm not going to plant certain things. Certain things. Right. Like what? I mean, you want to well, talk about that? I mean, it's just interesting, like everything we do, whether we're re- we realize it or not, is planting a seed. I like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that everything, like everything. you said, every word that you speak, every action, every little bit of body language yeah. that you have, everything that you maybe don't say when you should have said it, right. all of those things are seeds towards a future, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. So rather than just leaving things to chance, 
right? Or just not paying attention to what you're creating. The cool part is, is that God's given us in his word, like that's a law, a scriptural law, like seed time and harvest time. He's given us tools that we can take godly principles and we can sow godly seeds Mm -hmm. to create you have the power of choice. You, you have, have the, the ability to do, do that. You have Nobody to be, can do it for right, you. Right, but you have to be intentional, right? right? So we have to be intentional. So yeah. um, I can sow words of life. I can sow words of death. love. Yeah, but I can also sow words of death. So yeah. I choose if I'm not going to forgive, if I'm going to hold a grudge, if I'm yeah. going to hold something over my spouse, if I'm going to say you're worthless, you're never going to amount to anything, yeah. that I'm not like what, what's the vision in front of you? Have you yeah. taken a minute? Do you want to have a loving relationship 50 years from now right. in that rocking chair? That's why it's such a powerful illustration. Who's going to be sitting into that chair and that chair again, you can't control your spouse. I can control me. Sure a man's harvest in life is based entirely on the seeds he sows. Right. Not the seeds your spouse sows right. on the seeds you sow. Right. You have to trust God and trust your spouse to sow good seeds. Right. You can't control their seeds. Right. You can only control your seeds. But I'm not going to speak negative into you and expect um, a different harvest, right? I'm not right. going to speak that you're terrible and expect right. you to rise up and be... It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make... It, because I, uh, it's you It's like can't. sowing orange seeds expecting tomato seeds. Like you said. Yeah. Like you can't do it. Orange trees. It's silly. I mean, however you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And if we just looked at it that simply, but even things, I would love to give people like some imagination images to help really make it practical. Like you were saying, I choose to speak words of love versus yeah. words of that. Well, I really want to speak. The Bible says, you know, for us to not let corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but only that which is uplifting right. and edifying for those who hear it. Um, like life, uh, you know, out of your out of your mouth comes life and death, or life. blessing and cursing. Yeah. You know, choose life, choose life, and all those types of just scriptures. It's like, like I have to choose um, what I want to create. I have the ability to control it. Um, but even things, so words are a big deal. We've, we're going to talk a lot about words. But even when you feel like running away and leaving the house in anger, or slamming that door, but choosing not to slam the door, choosing not to run away but to step towards your partner so, rather than step away, you know, that's a seed, yeah. you know, that you're sowing. Well, it's, it's the choice to respond in God's way or yeah. in really the world, the enemy, the devil's way. Um, you know, a lot of times, the I feel like a lot of times a, re, a couple of the reasons why we would respond in anger or running away from the house, leaving the house or hurtful words is our way in some form or fashion. It's fear. It's maybe our way to try to control our spouse because we're so anger, angry at them. They need to know this. And so I'm just going to speak over them like the negative, the hurtful, the pain, or I'm going to slam the door. But none of those things can bring, because it's not even the same spirit. It can't bring the change that you want. So you're trying to control them, but by, by, doing like sowing negative Mm -hmm. into that. So there's no way that that can produce it. And I'm not saying that the pain's not real. The hurt isn't there, but how we choose to respond and what we choose to say in those moments is huge. So rather than running away or leaving or saying hurtful, negative things, sometimes just staying quiet Hmm. and then just even stopping and saying one thing, like I'm sorry, or you know, like I, not attacking them personally, which I know we'll get into a lot of those things. Yeah, there's a lot more go. to come in their series. But I love, you said this a couple of weeks ago when we taught this, and I thought it was really powerful. Um, something to the effect, I don't remember word for word, but it was something like, 
you can't sow negative reactions in your marriage and expect a positive yeah. result from yeah. your spouse. Because even if your spouse does outwardly do what you want them to do, you didn't actually change anyone. You didn't actually create health in the marriage. They're just responding out of fear, not yeah. out of faith or love. Yeah. And so even though you're like, well, you might think, well, every time I slam the door and run away, he comes after me and he does what I wanted him to do. Or every time I yell and kind of puff up and show some sort of dominance, she does what I want her to do. No, she's not. She's not doing what you want her to do. And he's not doing what you want him to do. If, if just because someone gives you an outward expression of obedience or fear driven, there's no faith, there's no love. It's not long term. It's yeah. not really what you want, right? It's, it's not, not the affection. It's not it's the not it's not the compa companionship you genuinely desire. Now you've turned them into like a, a cowering, yeah. you know, yeah. puppy or whatever. And so I just thought that was really cool. You can't sow a negative reaction and hope that that's going to create a positive result. Yeah, I, I think the I think the big thing here is just. To, to even begin with. Some of us haven't thought about what we want our marriage to look like in the, the future. Vision. We just live just taking whatever comes. Yeah. And so even to just start with the idea that, okay, 50 years from now, who's going to be sitting in that rocking chair? Who am mm -hmm. I going to be? What, what kind of a husband or wife am I going to be? Who do I want to be right. in that marriage? How do I want that to look? What do I need to do? Because again, you can't control your spouse, but what do I need to do to sow towards that future? Um, but you can't really intentionally sew towards anything unless you have the vision, right? The vision down and make it plain because yeah, you, you don't know it. what you're moving towards. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we just live life reaction, reactionary based on like what's coming at us and we react to life rather than creating, creating, which is, you know, and sewing towards the future and moving intentionally towards what God has purposed and planned for us. Yeah, that's great. It's a great first discussion. Just the idea of God made marriage. He has a vision for your marriage. We want our vision to line up with his. Um, it's worth fighting for. Yeah. Um, if there's a challenge in front of you, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Right. Right. Um, to see beyond that. And then to start having vision of where you want your marriage to be and plant seeds, yeah. the seeds towards that. I yeah. think that's excellent. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think moving forward, you know, the next part of the discussion that we're going to kind of just flow into is um, like that deepest need part. Yep. Right. And that's part of starting the work. Yeah, that's part of the work. On us individually. Um, so thank you, everybody, for our first episode. Our next episode, we're going to be talking about the deepest need yeah. that we have in marriage. So we look forward to sharing that with you. Hope it's a blessing.